my God, Ben. Do you know what this means? Do you know whose brother? This ghetto's gonna be turned upside down, I tell you, upside down. The streets are gonna run crimson with the blood of the men responsible for his brother's death. And I'm speaking of as a veritable one-man army. And if you get on his bad side, brother, you're done for. Now, it's only a matter of time before he finds out. And when he does, no matter where he is, get ready, gentlemen, because hell's a-coming. Coming, 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 coming. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we are nostalgic for, we then revisit it, review it, and find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. I am your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Michael Gerbaz. How you doing, Michael? I'm thirsty, Connor. I'm thirsty You're for thirsty some malt liquor. With some anaconda <laughs> liquor, dude, gives you... Dude, I, I so wanted to. I, I'm okay. I'm not talented or uh, dedicated enough to 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 have done this, but I, I so wanted to write like an intro for this that was like the that that rhythmic way of speaking <laughs> that um that Bill Horn does. Yeah, yeah. In this movie, so this week uh we're looking at the 2009 uh action comedy black exploitation satire Black Dynamite, uh written by and starring Michael Jai White. Uh, oh, he and, wrote it as well. Yes, no yes, shit, that's awesome. Yep, was co-written by White and the uh, director Scott Sanders and Byron Minns, who also co-stars. Um, so it's uh, a parody slash love letter to the black exploitation films of uh, the the nineteen seventies, specifically Dolomite. Yeah, mostly vamping off the Dolomite thing, um, kind of in in every regard, which I th- which I think is really really fun mm. uh that's one of the aspects i like the most about it is how how hard it commits to the bit but never to the film's detriment never to like no. the point where they miss out on gags that they could have made if they weren't leaning so hard into the the parody thing like they walk a fine line in this movie and manage to it's it's a balancing act and i think it's it's beautifully balanced we both believe that when you're trying to make a so bad it's good movie but being Conscious of the fact that it's so bad, it's good. It's such a fine line. Like they always, yeah, oh, turn totally out bad because you're like these people that are making this movie didn't understand why that bad movie was funny. Yes, and yes, that bad absolutely. movie was made by someone who was oblivious, and now you're trying yep. to like just do the same thing consciously, and it just uh, yeah, comes off as like where... really stupid or like lazy. And absolutely. this is like who like yeah, they masterful. fucking get it. You can tell that they. Are, get absolutely everything about it and that they that yeah it is a love letter like it is so meticulously crafted Mm. to be Mm. that parody it's not just like oh no it'll be fucking easy we'll just get a bunch of random people in like a a boring house and we'll just do it it's like no the production design is fucking like hollywood level quality (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's actually really fucking crazy yeah yeah i was Um, super impressed yeah, totally. Uh, so my history with this movie—it's obviously it's not uh, that old a flick. It's only eleven years old at this point. Came out in two thousand nine, but it feels I was older. Hips. I was it I was surprised hip. watching it that it was only two thousand nine because they nailed really what what would have what would you have pegged it for? I feel like they nailed the like the look and feel of that like seventies sort of thing so well that it would mm-hmm. that I thought it was like eighties or nineties like. Wow, wow. Actually, I mean, that's that's great. It, it tricked me. Awesome, awesome. So uh, back in TAFE, in, in film school, uh, a friend, or someone that we, we both studied with, 
uh, who I won't dox the guy, but he <laughs> looked and sounded, you'll know who I'm talking about. He looked and sounded like he was from the 70s. Like he dressed <laughs> like from the 70s, had a haircut from the fucking 70s. And like there was an, there was an, a kind of like known in joke amongst the class and him that he was a time traveler. <laughs> like he's all his, all the stuff that he wrote and directed in that class was, was or those classes was uh, had this retro feel to it um and uh yeah he he put me onto it uh i think this would have been in like 2010 or 11 god damn dude i fell in love with this movie it it, it has so much of what i value uh in comedy and so much stuff that th- this quality that i hadn't seen in, in any comedies from the 2000s kind of onwards mm. Like it delivers jokes in in a similar way to movies like uh, Airplane and The Naked Gun and those Zucker Brothers movies. Uh, has that Leslie Nielsen thing that we've talked about previously, treating the the ludicrous with utter sincerity, yep. like completely straight facing certain things uh, and and playing off other things. It, it makes my heart sore, dude. I, I fucking <laughs> love this movie, uh, and I hadn't I hadn't watched it uh, for probably. A few years, I think. The last time I watched this, I watched it with a, a, a girlfriend uh, at the time, and um, loved it then. And and they they really enjoyed it too. I, I haven't shown this movie to anyone who hasn't got it or like found something to to enjoy in this yeah. movie. I think it um, as well as it just nails the the balancing act so well. It kind of gets to uh, have something for everyone. Like you can really enjoy the the references and the stuff that's kind of there for like film buffs or the the nerdier kind of qualities that this movie has and the, the homage stuff but then it's also just got like gratuitous nudity and like goofy shit for like a a, a more broad appeal yeah so, so like, you really can show this to anybody you don't and need they'll, to they'll know have a laugh. the context know what mm, it's aping no. off like if you mm. just show someone, like if you just show an alien this, they'll just fucking think it's funny. Yeah, totally. Because um, um, it is. Uh, but watching it, watching it for this, I uh, there were so many. I, I'd forgotten just how far this movie goes. Mm. And like we've talked about, we've we've described certain movies as having a, a, a reverence for the the genres that that it's satirizing or you know taking on, and this kind of has that. For I mean, this absolutely has that for the the black exploitation stuff, but it also has it somehow manages to have equal, if not more, uh, irreverence for everything else. <laughs> like it takes nothing seriously, certainly not itself. Like it, it, it's oh god, I love it. I love it so much. It, it dares you. It dares you to take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, I thought I knew what I was coming into. I'd never mm-hmm. seen it, but I was like, oh, yeah, it's the the Dolomite. I, I know that stuff. And yet it still surprised me just because mm-hmm. of like, yeah, the sheer like dedication and so everything so th- well thought out. I don't just feel that there's something for everyone. I just like actively watching it felt like, oh, this is going to need another rewatch. I'm like, I'm not getting all of this first time through because <laughs> it just, it's just so deep with like everything. Um, yeah. They really fucking know how to... It's yeah, you don't take it seriously, but there is there are more like there are dramatic moments that work in this, mm. which normally mm. in those movies just didn't at all. Mm. And so they know how to how much to to pull off like the original movies did and how much yeah. to just pull back a little bit exactly. to make it work. Yeah. The same way that like he is legitimately like ripped 
and like yeah this guy looks like a badass and when he when he does the fight choreography it's like shitty looking fight choreography and like not yeah. very well filmed but you can tell the dude's actually like a, an athlete and can actually yeah, fucking yeah, like yeah, kick yeah, high yeah, totally. stuff it's like yeah the camera is like purposely kind of shaky and kind of shitty at like zooming in awkwardly and zooming back out mm-hmm. but you can tell that those things are planned cuz if you just if someone just went like oh yeah we'll just like we'll just we'll just wing it mm-hmm. and, and shoot it handheld like that it looks mm-hmm. like crap and you don't get good coverage this like the fight scenes are still really readable like yes, they're well shot yes. enough that you act, you still can actually tell like what the orientation is of everything yeah like clearly see like who's fighting who and who's winning and stuff yeah, readable is is the perfect way to describe it, and and I would add to that like entertaining. Uh, even the the fight scenes throughout the they manage to have like every 10, 15 minutes, not long goes by without some kind of set piece, some kind of uh, action set piece, or or something that sticks out, and you go, oh, it's this bit. Like it makes rewatching it really, really uh, rewarding and and um, enjoyable. Mm. And man, all the all the gags, I just I love. From the minute I start it, and there's the uh, uh, his his kid brother who's who's undercover, as we find out later, um, getting killed. But he's the like he's like I ain't no snitch. And yeah, he's trying to speak jive, he's but he's really like has this thespian quality. And yeah, like, it's great. It's this wonderful thing where that works on its own, just as like a funny gag. But that also has some real world like roots in that apparently th- there were a decent amount of uh, actors who would be in these black exploitation movies were like theater actors and and like thespian oh, yeah. kind of trained actors and they would so they they would be playing these these roles in black exploitation movies but it would be hard for them to cover up their like <laughs> how they would usually perform uh, that's so um, funny so it's cool it's like got this kind of you you can go ah that's rooted in something but also, it's just a fucking good gag. So yeah. you get both. It, get, it hits both audiences. And then immediately getting blasted full of bullets. And the yeah. henchman having to go over and check his pulse. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then the, the, uh, the, the like, police chief dude showing up and being like, you know what this means? The streets are going to run crimson with the blood of men. And men. Yeah, that's so fucking funny. Oh, uh, God. Awesome. That whole introduction is wonderful. That's the thing, like they pull it back and sort of do a little bit of proper filmmaking compared to those other ones where you do get moments where you're like, yeah, this is badass, this is cool. Yeah, um, totally. And there's like some shots in there that are actually like really beautifully looking shots. Yeah, it's got a, just an overall a much more filmic look to it than what those mm-hmm. cheap exploitation movies Totally. Had, but it doesn't take away from like the source material they're parroting or like recreating mm-hmm. in their version of this yeah movie. totally it and, just, and yeah, because it they all gel so well yeah yeah i mean it, it feels like so much thought and care was put into something so ludicrous it's it's so cool like the it was shot on super 16 stock so that oh, it would nice. have that look i wasn't um, sure whether then, it was like a post effect to add that no no i mean or... it was it was converted to digital for editing of course but, but um yeah, yeah shot on, on super 16 so you get that really authentic uh, look, the the contrast and the, the saturation and stuff. Yeah. All the stuff, reading a little bit about the making of it, it, it seems like 
there were moments where they had to actually think about how to film this thing like the people who were shooting the black exploitation films in the past had to think about it they had to be uh resourceful and clever because they had a relatively small budget but really wanted to nail that 70s look so when they were shooting the locations and stuff they were doing everything they could to not show the modern world yeah uh but then it leads to this wonderful blurring of the lines between actual mistakes or goofs that are meant to be jokes and actual mistakes that weren't planned that just occurred while they were filming oh, no way. and they kept in because it enhanced the whole thing. So when he goes to see Honeybee uh, after getting his money back from that dude and, and kicking the, the old woman across yeah. the room and stuff, throwing the dude through the door, there's the the tear that keeps coming yes. and going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like <laughs> the continuity error of that. <laughs> yeah, so there's goofy continuity gags and stuff. Uh, but then later on, in during a gunfight, a particular gunfight, uh, where they're outside the uh, the donut and was it chili, chili and donuts, chili and donuts uh, restaurant, the bad dudes show up and get out of the car to start firing, and Are the car gonna- keeps rolling because they forgot to put the handbrake on. That was an actual mistake. Oh man, I, I had an inkling because you see the guy, the driver's reaction, mm. and he is like, "Oh fuck!" It's so good. I love him doing kung fu and. <laughs> He's fighting those guys and there's the, the, the one really long shot where the guy gets thrown to the ground and he's like watching the fighting <laughs> and he goes to run away and like on the appearing. other side of the frame. <laughs> yeah. And it's so uh, funny, but it's so obvious. It's like they, they leave enough time, so much time passes that you're like, yeah, he can, he can easily just walk around the camera <laughs> to the other side. Like it's not a magic trick. It's not fooling us, but it's just no, so exactly. funny still, even though but we again, know it's like- played with such, it's, it's, it's played with such sincerity that you just like, fuck yeah, dude, he moved. I, I think there's like three layers of uh, comedy kind of going on or like uh, working off each other and, and within each other at the same time uh, through a lot of this movie. I think there's the jokes that play off the medium and the genre and the, the, the trappings of, of that genre, like the, the goofy, you know, the, the continuity stuff. And then this stuff where it's like, okay, we know that he could have moved around the thing or that that's not how uh, the real world works. That's they're, they're, they're playing with the, the logic there. But then you've got these like, kind of meta in universe jokes that kind of and some of those are the the continuity ones like or the 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 goofs on set goof kind of stuff where uh when he goes and meets with the militants and there's the dude who keeps saying his stage directions he's like <laughs> the militants are startled sarcastically i'm in charge and stuff like that and you can see um the dude who's playing uh or michael jai white makes this kind of face <laughs> Uh, like kind of like false starts his next line because he's clearly frustrated by this by this other actor and it's like this this almost you can imagine that uh similar to you watch uh dolomite is my name or uh, behind the scenes stuff on on uh the dolomite pictures they would often just shoot these things in one take and it was that was it um because they didn't have the time or in the case of dolomite the director didn't care enough to reshoot so you imagine like this is the best take they had and you can see this this uh into actor like um bickering yeah there's people like looking at the camera and stuff and then you've got the the third layer is just like really funny gags like really good jokes the zucker brothers kind of humor for the modern era in like the the scene where he goes to the orphanage and there's the kids <laughs> like addicted to heroin 
<laughs> so good. And he's like, I will shake this poisonous shit out of your little smacked up body if I have to. Dude, and they're like, Black no, Dynamite, we tried that. We tried that. <laughs> Oh my god, and it's all said with such sincerity, it fucking kills me. I I was like yelling, laughing at this movie, especially especially as it goes on. Because again, it starts out um as this kind of you know you, you feel like, okay, it's like I know what I'm getting into here. Uh, yeah, like it's very funny. Is... It's very very funny. It's very clever. But I know what you're doing. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's all very uh, like the the writing's very funny, and it's like it's like hyper cliched everything. Yes, yes, and it's kind of by the books almost. Like it's it, it's all these cliches and tropes that you like. Okay, I know that this is gonna ha- this is happening. Therefore, this is gonna happen. There's gonna be this reveal. There's gonna be this betrayal. But then at about the hour mark, it just turns. Like it, it, you get the kind of reveal, and then the third act goes completely off the rails, and it becomes yeah. this increasingly bizarre conspiracy, kicked off by this wonderful, wonderful fucking scene of them at the the restaurant working out the. Oh uh, god! Yeah. Using their knowledge of like Greek mythology, mythology and stuff, and, and Greek Roman mythology. mythology, and all of the oh my god, uh, star to discover signs. the the true the true plan and the true intent behind the the anaconda malt liquor, and then the reveal being that like they've they've had this <laughs> this all, all this stuff about like yeah the streets and we're taking it back and giving it to the people and and da, 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 all this all this stuff yeah yeah that's that's kind of like. You can imagine some people being like, this is really good. This is important. And then they just like, nah, it's a conspiracy to shrink people's dicks. You've been watching, you, you've, we've been setting you up for the next 30 minutes of this movie to be a dick joke. Yeah. It, it's so fucking funny. I think they do a really clever job playing it like safe by the cards, by the numbers at the beginning of the film. Because so mm-hmm. many of these movies have the most batshit crazy plots that you can't even like follow them yeah and this one is like it's similar enough and feels like that sort of movie but it's i'm a lot more clear you're getting Mm. like scene after scene after scene of like really silly expositional dialogue and all this Mm. stuff but we know like okay his brother was killed and he's gonna fucking go on a rampage and then we get to learn that he was in vietnam and have like a fucking vietnam (laughs) flashback and all this crazy shit oh oh my god the thread is still like okay we don't have like a really good structure like a normal movie, but at least we know like he's trying to get revenge on his brother. And so we just get like scene after scene of like- Or well, revenge for his brother, yeah. Yeah. What did I say? You said on his brother. Oh, shit. <laughs> like the man, the man's dead, Michael. <laughs> stop, stop. He's already dead. <laughs> so we get like scene after scene that's like they're barely like connecting together. Mm-hmm. But you're like, all right, yeah, this is still like the the point, the purpose. We're still after this. We're getting a little sidetracked, mm-hmm. but yeah, we understand it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they go batshit in the third act. Yeah, and you just go they, like thing they after kind thing of after bring, thing. They bring like most of those threads back together in one way or another. I didn't think that the anaconda liquor was gonna come back at all. I thought it was just yeah. like a really funny like commercial gag at the beginning yeah, of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like set that's the, the tone. thing. I think that's that's something I really value too. Is like setting up all these goofy things and then making them pay off but in a way that uh, is kind of illogical or like almost insulting to the audience's intelligence <laughs> where it's like take, it's making fun of you. You're like, ah. Or like uh, if someone's like, well, that doesn't make sense, you'd be like, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Look, <laughs> look there, there, there. Yeah, Boom. so you're stupid. Yeah. You're stupid for not getting it. It makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
or again, it just it dares you to to take any of it seriously, to question any of this stuff, or to go, oh, hang on a minute, is to completely miss the point. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what like so much of those movies were so like boring and mundane, and like you, you would be like, what the fuck is going on? Who's the antagonist? Like, mm, what mm. what is even the point? And in yep. this, we get we still get that same feeling of like kind of cheap looking. Like you've got you got some nice sets where it's like, oh, you're in a club, and the club actually looks like a proper club, and it's full mm. of people, and it's well dressed for the period and all that stuff. But then so much of it just like being out on the street. Going to the orphanage, which is just like <laughs> fucking like one corner of a room. Yeah, like, with some boxes. It gives you that feel of like shittiness, but it doesn't actually bore you to death like those movies did. Totally. It's all for, it's all in, in service of the gag and the bit. And, and they can and actually like build to something. Totally. And ultimately it all ends up being satisfying. Like you said, none of it's uh, those old movies, although so bad it's good movies, you never left... Uh, really satisfied by them. No. The, you you kind of you make your own fun with it. Whereas this, it's it's got all the it's vamping off all of those tropes and stuff. But again, still still giving you like giving you something good in the end. The fact that in um, Dolomite is my name, they uh, adapted like th- the three main ones that he did, and kind of mm-hmm. picked and choosed all the good moments from those movies. In the film universe, it was all just one movie that was being made mm. because mm. those movies have hilarious great moments, but it's like four or five great moments in a 90-minute movie and yeah, you're really waiting to get to movies. those points when you're re-watching it, but the rest yeah. of it's kind of boring where they did a good job of like putting enough effort in and like thinking about gags and stuff so that there is way more of those good moments mm. for re-watching this one. That you you're not yep. just bored for like fifteen minutes because nothing's happening. Totally, they like they changed up with with the humor as well. Like they keep you on your toes. They don't do the same thing just over and over and over again till it gets tired. No, it's really it manages to stay fresh for its whole like hour twenty five kind of runtime, uh, which I think in a comedy is kind of a feat. Like I'd totally forgotten how consistently funny this movie is. I for some reason thought it was going to be front loaded. I remembered it being front loaded with gags and the the back half being like funny, but the, 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 the best moments have, yeah, it's more action oriented and the best moments have already come and gone. But God damn, dude, right up until the end, I was howling. It's not only a feat just for a comedy in general to keep fresh, but I think because of the way you think, oh, the, the big bad is going to be his CIA friend. And then he beats him, and then it's like, oh no! Now it's this Chinese dude who's like a, what is what is he called? <laughs> fiendish, the fiendish Doctor Wu. Your knowledge of scientific biological transmogrifications is only outmatched by your zest for kung fu treachery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and so then he beats him, and you think, okay, now the movie's over. And it's like, oh no, it goes way higher than I thought. <laughs> and it then goes, he's got to fucking go and the, fight Tricky Dick. <laughs> yeah, it goes to the Tricky Dick, dude. Oh my god! And so yeah, when you've got a movie that has like your Lord, your Return of the King syndrome, where you keep thinking, "Oh, this might be the final scene," and then you're like, "No, no, mm. we've still got more," then mm. that makes it feel even longer. So for it to be able to keep fresh and funny while still having a bunch of false so sort of finishes is yeah, is even more yeah. impressive. And a thing, yeah, a thing that that in many other movies does uh, prove to be to the film's detriment. Yeah, you know, you do end like it's called Return of the King syndrome for a reason. It's not a it's not a good thing. People excuse it. People make excuses for it, but 
you know, fuck if you're not checking your watch by the time the, hey, the thing ends. Not for Lord of the Rings, I wasn't. All right. We'll come back okay. to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, too, the, the playing off the, the meta stuff that I kind of mentioned earlier, I really love that it feels like uh, Michael J. White is playing, and, and a lot of the actors in this are playing actors playing this role yeah if that it makes very sense much feels like that he he feels like uh like you see in in dolomite is my name um rudy raymore was like nah this has to have kung fu in it do you know kung fu nah it's just got to have kung fu in it. like he's out of his depth yeah and it feels like and he's he's saying like oh it's got to have this and and motherfuckers getting killed <laughs> and stuff like that and this feels like Michael J. White is playing that sort of person who's like lacks a bit of self awareness or, or doesn't quite doesn't see how goofy he looks. Yeah, well, that's what I was so surprised to hear that he wrote it because that's like the big symptom of those movies is when the star is a creative person, they're like, "No, oh, yeah, uh, he needs to be good at kung fu," and you're like, "Yeah, bitch, you're not you're not fucking ripped. You're not good at kung fu." And then you watch, yeah the fight scenes of those movies and it's like the really slow, like not even oh, connecting. It's pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. really pathetic, like twisting the arm and catching a fist that's like moving at mm-hmm. like one kilometer an hour. It's so funny. Yeah. But in this, it's like he was self-aware enough to pull a lot of, lot of it off where the other guys don't, mm-hmm. but it still has that that essence of like it feels like a little bit of an ego project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like it being but this like, like, like you said, like as a meta element, it feels like mm-hmm. an ego project. Yes, like that's yeah, how yeah. he's playing it. Totally, and I see it more in the 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 serious moments or the stuff where he's talking about being in Vietnam or like <laughs> being an orphan and stuff. The the serious dramatic moments are the the bits where uh, I am in tears when he when he's talking about being in Vietnam and he keeps he keeps calling the kid that he killed Chinese. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! His little Chinese legs. <laughs> so fucking funny, dude. <laughs> He said something to me in Chinese. Like, Bobo Sao sounds like some cartoon shit, but I understood it to be a question that he was asking me. And I don't have to know how to speak Chinese to know what that question was. <laughs> Why, Black Dynamite? Why, Black Dynamite? Why? Black Dynamite, why? Oh, my God. One of my favorite deliberate goof or deliberate uh, fuck-ups or continuity errors that they've included in this movie is the the Bullhorn fight scene where Bullhorn, who is mostly kind of based off the Dolomite character because he does the same kind yeah, of like rhythmic that, way that of speaking. talking, yeah. So he's not very good at the Kung Fu. Like, he's not good at the, the fighting. Uh, so he accidentally slaps the guy <laughs> that he's meant to be fighting and the guy's straight up like, motherfucker and then it cuts and they've re- like recast the dude mid-scene yeah <laughs> it's so fucking good it only does those really wacky like breaking really breaking continuity like fourth mm. wall breaking continuity like a couple of times it's used really sparingly yeah. uh really like i don't know if tastefully is the right word but um <laughs> i don't know it's, it's like it's it's like a it's like a super move dude it sticks with you yeah like when you talk to and this, that's the thing. This movie is so quotable. Like, if you bring up this movie with people, guaranteed you're not going to get out of that conversation without at some point someone saying, ha, threw that shit before I walked in the room. Like, <laughs> so yes, much, that is a good one. so much good shit. Yeah, I, um, I've been hearing these quotes in the past couple of weeks and not even realizing it. <laughs> or like seeing clips of it as well mm-hmm. with the line and not knowing what it's from and then going, oh, it's from this. It's awesome. And, and there's lines that like I, I will have pop up into my head 
with some with 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 some regularity. And then it's not even the the big like I threw that shit before I walked in the room like big lines. It's little shit like where he he confronts the the other pimps in the area and he's like I'm waging war on uh, people who are selling drugs to the community. And that one dude's like, but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. <laughs> <laughs> Just shit like that is so fucking funny. Yeah. Have you seen the? Have you watched the the trailer for this movie? No, I haven't. Even in the trailer, it has this meta quality where. Uh, Byron Minns, who plays Bullhorn, is narrating the trailer. Yeah. Uh, and when he's saying like starring so and so is Black Dynamite, so and so is da da da, he's th- they're fake names. Yep. And it says that uh, Michael Jai White's character, I can't remember his name, but it's like so and so, you know, uh, all star quarterback for da da da, is Black Dynamite, and it's so it's this wonderful like meta uh, in universe shit. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds. It reminds me of like the uh, the Grindhouse trailers in between. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Planet Terror and and Death Proof and stuff. It has a, a similar qualities to uh, another movie that, that I think I've mentioned offhandedly in in this podcast that I, I would love to do at some point as well. Uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the kind of like super the the montage that specifically the montage of uh, Black Dynamite and. Gloria out on like the sunny day, like the date, the magical, like, oh, yes. wonderful date by the lake. They're feeding ducks and, so and all that fucking stuff. Awkward. <laughs> and they're walking. They're so awkward. But the fact is, they're walking through what is the 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 ghettos, the streets after they've been cleaned, after they've been rid of of smack. Yeah. And it's this completely different neighborhood. Yeah. And everyone, there's kids with like jump ropes and pogo sticks and shit. It's so funny. <laughs> That really like heightened, uh, like vamping off like an idealized uh, uh, neighborhood and stuff is really really funny to me. That sun sh- sunny uh, thing. Yeah, totally. It's like it has all of those those comedy aspects that you're talking about, like from the Zucker Brothers, but it's mm. like pulled off and shot with the specific style and making jokes with that through that totally. filmmaking, like an yeah, Edgar Wright totally. movie would. Yes, this is what I was thinking about before. I think it manages to do the the, the two things. I, I My favorite comedies are stuff that's in the vein of the Zucker Brothers that's just really funny, like joke after joke after joke. It's weapons-grade funny and stuff that is in service of a bit or, or a, uh, a satirization or an homage to a specific genre because then, again, we've talked about it, you can have – fun with your expectations of that genre or your knowledge of that genre. And that's why Dewey and this does both works so much better than the rest of those. Oh, like, yeah, that, that era. Will Farrell era. Will Smith. Uh, sorry, Will Smith, Will Farrell. Yeah, yes. Anchorman uh, era comedies mm-hmm. that it holds yeah, up because way better. Exactly, yeah, because it's got, there's there's depth to it. Sounds strange coming out of my mouth, but Black Dynamite has depth, dude. <laughs> Leagues. <laughs> Off that, that, that scene, though, the, like, idyllic, uh, best best date ever feeding ducks shit and she's like wanting that, him to, the- to chase him and he's just like standing yeah, there like he's just so <laughs> awkward he's so buff but before they go on that he's like yeah they run into those kids it's like uh, this is black dynamite my mama said my daddy's name is black dynamite so, so did mine uh i was a cast goddamn name <laughs> so stupid yeah i oh, love man. how like uh he's womanizing constantly like keeps like record scratching the romantic moments <laughs> Like yeah. when he's um, bringing the woman to that place 
to stay safe and he's given her the big long speech and the other woman comes out because yeah. she's like, like heard it before yeah, and he just yeah. fucking loses it and starts screaming oh at God. her. Before you shut the fuck up. I know that was you. I ain't even got to look. I should send your ass back to Crenshaw Pete with his hot ass coat hangers, bitch. Would you like that? Apparently that was that that uh, I mean that bit was planned, but that that bit of dialogue was improvised. Uh, Michael Joe White just like went off. <laughs> he's got the craziest fucking a, eyes. Yeah, there's a moment where he's just got crazy eyes. <laughs> so fucking good. I think too something that I I that ties in with the treating stupid shit with utter sincerity thing that I really like is the end of this movie where he he pimp slapped the first lady into the china <laughs> oh. cabinet because she shot at him and then he comes back and apologizes to her and she's like but yeah. i shot at you black dynamite and he's like this is true but i still feel like i pushed a boundary or whatever like he, he he's he like, has if, like if it had hit me this then i feel of, like i'm yeah, justified of ethics that he must adhere to and that like that that weird um we've talked about it in space that that like diffusion of that diffusion of a situation or that like weird injection of somewhat uh, wholesomeness yeah. into a re- a situation that hasn't called for it. it always makes me laugh yeah um and it's a it's a wonderful way to end the movie especially like she shows up out of nowhere in the middle of the white house and then they both end up like <laughs> lying and uses down like on a, the floor this, like, grabbing kooky- onto his leg <laughs> This fucking he, she she appears out of nowhere. Are we talking about the first lady or Gloria? Gloria, because I mean they both kind of show up out of nowhere, but at least the first lady. She was in the room we beforehand. Had, we He's just talking to the first lady, and she just runs up and is like Black yeah. Dynamite and hugs him, and then falls to the ground. <laughs> and, and she's like, "Get going, keep going." Yeah, I love how they reuse the same car going off the cliff. For when they when he, when he drops the <laughs> yep yep the it's drug really cool. I want to go through and and, and uh, figure out where or like how they would have had to shoot a lot of these scenes where they've used a lot of stock footage and stuff to disguise uh, the real world and and stuff like that. Because I was watching, and I was like, "Fuck, you would really have to go into this planning." Like, it looks kind of slapdash. It has that quality, but you would have to go into this planning. Like, all right, we need to shoot this and this and this. We have stock footage of this. It needs to match up with this. Like, yeah, it looks slapdash and cheaply done, but that's because mm-hmm. a bunch of effort was put in to make it yes. look like that. If they'd actually yep. just slapdash, not put any effort in, it would look way yep. shittier than what it is. Yeah, well, we wouldn't be talking about it. No, not at all. Because uh, it would just become a another forgettable. I love how oh, <laughs> Black Dynamite, he picks up the drug lord with the magnet off the helicopter while like the yeah. cool montage is happening and it's singing about how Black Dynamite has a helicopter. And he drops him oh. off that cliff and he's just fucking cackling to himself. And then yeah. he keeps laughing and laughing <laughs> until he like gets back to the hideout with like the other Black Panther dudes and he's still <laughs> laughing as he enters the room. <laughs> so i was just laughing at the the fucking random some of the random shit that happens like when the guy gives him when he first enters that place after the dudes are reading their lines off their script and then when he gives the dude the bullet cartridge and he's like what can you tell me about this and he grabs it and he's like sniffs it and then he like licks it and he's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> it's just yeah like, it's all this weird kooky shit that it feels little, like like fucking thing that's like again it, it feels like that that ego project thing or that thing where in the the like meta in universe thing where it's like okay these actors or the people who made this movie uh air quotes 
don't understand that licking a bullet wouldn't do anything. It looks cool, <laughs> so it's in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like they have enough restraint to know what to do and what not to do. When you see mm. the outtakes in the credits, that some of those are like alternative takes mm. that are like longer and stuff. Like you said, that line where he says like, but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. There's like the <laughs> alternate version where he's like, I've, I'm good at two things in my life, pimping hookers and selling drugs to the community. And they were like, so they had multiple takes and it reminds me of that, um, the the fucking the Will Ferrell movie problem that mm. we're still plagued with comedies today, where there's no plan and it's just improv at all, and just yeah. improv a million things, and we'll pick something that's good, or we won't pick something that's good. We'll pick everything and just chuck it in. This yes, is like that's the problem. They had an idea, they tried a couple of different variations, and then they actually went, okay, no, we're not just going to take the longest one that we think is like exactly. They go, all right, this it's, one. They don't do the dog soldiers thing. They're not just using footage that they, or angles that they had. They they went, this is the funnier. This is way funnier, saying way less. Yeah, and they they pick the less, which shows yep. that they yeah they're not just doing it out of their own ego and no exactly that there's I, I weapons grade funny cunts on this on this movie <laughs> and i think we talked about walk hard earlier the theatrical cut of walk hard is excellent and that's what i want to look at whenever we we get around to doing that at some point because i'd love to do that that's the one we're going to watch because the uh extended cut the unrated cut is like 30 minutes longer and it's all shit mm. Like I started watching it uh, at one point because I was I wanted to show it to uh, a girlfriend at the time, and we got about like half an hour in, and I was like, "This is really not oh, good." No. What like there's all these jokes that I don't remember. I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then we watched the theatrical cut from the start, and like the jokes were hitting harder and faster, and just it's more consistently good. The, they they trimmed all the fat for the theatrical cut, and then for the director's cut, they just stuffed it all back in. Yeah, uh, director's cuts are comedy. Well, some allowed. of the some of the best director's cuts are uh, "Picnic Hanging Rock" is about twenty mm-hmm. minutes shorter in the director's cut than the theatrical. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! Uh, we've seen that with it's not a director's cut, but uh, "Silence of the Lambs" was about twenty five minutes longer in the theatrical cut. Ah, oh, okay. And I don't know if that's even possible to get that copy. Yeah. And also the twentieth anniversary of Alien or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there's an uh, there's a I don't know if it's technically director's cut or just like special edition remastered and it's a few minutes shorter. It's nearly like 10 minutes shorter than the original cut of yeah. Alien. Wow. Um, I should uh, clarify or, or qualify. I don't know if the actual label for the extended version of War Cards, the director's cut, it might yeah, be just, uh, like an unrated like norm- studio. Yeah, it sounds like it's version. normally unrated. I think comedies usually go, It's, it's comedies and horrors kind of usually do that. They'll put it out on DVD and, and a way because to it was get a more PG-13. people to watch it. It's like... Yeah, the they'll cinema. go. Ooh, it's the unrated version, so or it, too yeah. hot for fucking cinemas yeah, and stuff. If, if it was PG in the in the theaters, then it's normally the unrated yeah. cut. Is the naming convention? We've talked about this movie having such a broad appeal. Like, I think this you could show this to anyone, and they'd they'd find something to laugh at in it. And because it does the kind of goofy, so bad it's good stuff. Like we've said, that's meticulous. That's planned out, and and there are happy ac- accidents in there but it's coming from a really well-planned and, and well-thought-out basis. It's almost deceptively uh, simple-looking to, to some people. Like, I've, I've been approached to work on a music video last year for a band. They were like, oh, we want something. We want to do a thing that's, like, so bad, it's good. Like, we don't, we don't really have much, like, any kind of idea. We want to do, like, this so bad, it's good, like, 
uh, Italian Spider-Man, Black Dynamite kind of thing. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm like, I'm good, man. respectfully, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to sit this one out. Because I was like, you need to be really fucking funny to nail that. Everybody involved needs to be really fucking on for, to, to nail that. Yeah. That thing, otherwise you end up just with with a cringe compilation. 100%. Uh, and I wasn't confident enough in my own abilities <laughs> to like carry that and, and the well, other yeah, people they're involved not coming to you with good any people, but specific if, idea. If someone's not funny, they're not funny. That's a lot to take on your shoulders if they're just like, yeah, yeah just make it make it like that. Yeah, like, yeah oh, You exactly. don't have any ideas to start with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, hard. yeah, you go like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to write three, th- like it's a music video. So let's say it's a three and a half minute song. I'm going to have to write three and a half minutes of sight gags. Of like yeah, visual man. gags, you know. That's hard. Fuck that. So we've talked about all the stuff we we like uh, and and value in this in this movie. Uh, there's another level of nostalgia for this movie for me, um, in that this and Naked Gun and Airplane and stuff, but but this in how it tackles this genre and I guess the action genre in general influenced a, a short film that me and and some friends made. Uh, shoot, like a year or two out of TAFE. We made like this this action movie, grizzled, hard-boiled detective thing uh, called Chuck Baritone that kind of uh, yeah. we tried to do uh, and, and uh, wrote it with uh, my friend Ethan Miles and tried to do the similar thing with the treat, like t- treating it all like really straight-faced and the ending of it being this complete... Like you think you know where it's going to go and then it just gets exceedingly stupid, but it's still played as straight faced and almost like, again, daring the audience to go, that doesn't make sense because you can go, yeah, no, it does. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Shut up. So like as well as just being a a movie that I look back on and and really like watching and it's it's just fun, uh, I have a nostalgia for it in that I'm like, fuck, I like this made me want, we've talked about movies that made us want to have a go at making something. Uh, or made us feel like we could maybe participate in something. This is one that you actually did. <laughs> that, yeah, that actually like maybe not directly, but it certainly had an influence on going. Okay, let's let's shoot this thing with our mates and and make something independently. And so I I, I look back back on it with much much warmth. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. In in things that it doesn't do well i think there's very very little there's one thing that really was a pet peeve of mine though when the fiendish i know what you're gonna say yeah when the fiendish dr Wu gets lit on fire yes and it's cg fire it's just a really shitty digital effect of fire yeah and it's the only time that it doesn't like fit the era no exactly yes yes and then we go straight from that to flying a helicopter all the way to the white house jumping out with a parachute and it exploding yep. behind him as he's like going down skydiving yep. and that shot of the helicopter exploding in flames and like flying towards the camera looks like mm-hmm. fucking incredible but yeah yep. it's just that one like it it is couple of seconds I of had a shot. the exact same thought I was like that's the one thing that I can and it's it's it stands out because the rest of the movie is so fucking good yeah it's the it's the one um what would you call it a I would call it a um, meta plot hole yeah, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Not only a, a, an oversight, I, I think it does kind of negate the premise. Yeah. Um, not to a fucking mo- like a, a, a experience breaking level, of course. It's still great, 
but it is this thing where I'm like, oh, fuck. That's the, that, yeah, that's what makes it so annoying and irritating. Yeah. Because it's like, mm. yeah, like, was it an oversight or was it literally just like, were they, was that like, like later on in the production, they ran out of money? Like, yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? knows the story of that? But yeah, it's just frustrating that it's like, that's that one little like 0.1% that stands out really obviously when you see it. Mm. Yeah, because the rest of, of the movie is so faithful to the era and so, like you said, it could have come out in the either the the eighties or the nineties. Yeah, it really like, does stick out like dog's balls. Yeah, yeah. Like they they nail it with their conviction earlier to use practical squibs and stuff like that for bullet shots. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they don't rely on digital blood or anything like that. Mm. Other than that, fucking holds up amazingly as Rip a Ripper flick. As a nostalgic flick itself to uh, an earlier period. Yeah, I got nothing else to say. I love this fucking movie. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm fucking looking forward to like rewatching it again and again over the mm. years and like finding the stuff that I missed because yeah. I, I could just tell that there was stuff I was missing as I was watching it. Nice. All right, well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us, the best thing you can do for us at this point is just share the podcast. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. we got a Facebook page as of recently. We do. And uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing is also very helpful. We'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode. You can tweet us at Rose Tint Review or hit us up on Instagram at Rose Tinted Review. And again, the aforementioned Facebook page. We'd love to hear a response to this episode's question. I got nothing. You got nothing. Um, okay, what's a what's an era or a genre or a type of movie that you think is just ripe for parody? That's ripe for the the black dynamite treatment. That's a good one. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering if those, I've got any. There's those few, like there's so few good ones, and mm. you go, oh yeah, it's like it's it's that genre of movie, that genre of movie. Mm. I think I've got one. I. Would love to see someone do uh, space sci-fi fantasy Barbarella style. Ooh, okay. Because that that's yeah. a fucking hilarious movie. That's like yeah, kind of shitty, but kind of self-aware. Yeah, because it's like based off of like a French erotic comic book. So yeah, somebody nice. somebody make that. <laughs> and if you can't, then, mind you, we're uh, we're busy doing a podcast. Then message us your better idea and let us know. Next episode, dude. What are we doing? Ooh, what do you think? I'm feeling. What are you pining for? What thing of yesteryear? What are you? Uh, do you have any thoughts on Field of Dreams? I've never seen Field of Dreams. This is a funny one for me. I've saw it years and years ago, probably like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. But in the past couple of years, I find myself watching it like once or twice a year for the last three or wow. four years. And I'm like, I'm really, really liking it. I really dig it. Wow. Okay. All right. Well. I don't know. Something about, you know, my the more adult mind watching it compared to like a mm-hmm. child mind. Mm. It's, it's, it's hitting boxes that it wasn't before. All right. Awesome. Well, this will be a really interesting episode because you, uh, you've got your adult mind and I have a child's mind so we can kind of get the <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> get a bit of difference of opinion going excellent what should what should what should our, our listeners at home do connor well you should use your your your, your brains child or otherwise to uh acquire the film and watch it before listening to the podcast are you saying that people should use their mind to acquire the film like some sort of the secret method 
of acquiring yes, this movie. Yes, I'm saying, yes, I'm saying use the law of attraction <laughs> to get the f- fucking Field of Dreams on DVD or Blu-ray. And watch it. And watch it. So you can have some context. So join us next time when we find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. <laughs>